Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to the Connectivity Podcast. We're here to educate, entertain, and inform. So tune in as we have conversations with various business owners, athletes, influencers, you name it. Our goal is to provide our listeners with as much value as possible, so we really hope you enjoy your experience as you listen. All right, so I'm here today with a very special guest, Calgary Zone, emerging in the R&B <laughs> in the R&B section. Um, Ruben Young, how you doing today, homie? I'm good, bro. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. Thank you for joining. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Much appreciated. Um, so we'll get right right into it. Um, so Black Lives Matter protests. Mm. I seen you at the protest. I had the privilege of uh, of hearing you speak. It was amazing. Um, I was very moved by it. Um, I remember you saying that that was the most nervous you've ever been. You know, and and hearing that from an artist that you know performs in front of hundreds, thousands of people, um, he, you know, you don't expect to hear that. So let's dive into that. Why why did you feel the need to say something? And um, why, why were you feeling that way? What made you nervous about uh, telling your story? Word. Well, I, uh, I just got home. I got home like two, three days after George Floyd. And I just, I hopped on it. You know, the, the protests kind of made the news and people were talking about it. And I hopped on the internet just to look and learn about what was going down and what the, what the rhetoric was here. And I was just so pissed to see so much ignorance in the comments, so much uh, both passive aggressive and blatant racism and, and um, ignorance to how important this is to, hum- to human beings in the city. And I just got vexed and I hopped on Instagram and I, I promised myself this year I would be less, it's like more, less fear, more love. Like I would, I would hold back in the past. I've held back how I feel because I'm like, I don't know if, you know, I'm, I'm there yet. I always like match myself as a human, my success to my music career success. And since I'm still growing, I'm like, I haven't earned the right to say something. People don't want to listen to me, but this year I'm like, no, well, I'm a human being. Like I'm supposed to speak my mind and share how I feel And this anyway. So yeah, so I hopped on vexed, let it, let my followers know. And especially the people here in Calgary, because I know that's where a ton of my base is that like, yo, this is a real thing in Cal. Like racism is here as hell, and um, we need to pay attention and, and make noise about it. And Ava, the um, amazing nineteen-year-old who put together the protest on in Kensington that day, she just hit me on the DMs and, and asked me to speak based on what I had been saying on Instagram. And dude, I, I I got that message, and I sat I like sat there for a good half hour. texted my mom texted my brother about it just thought I was like is this my place at all like I had uh and I asked her first thing I asked her was like okay who else is speaking if I'm the only speaker then no not because I'm nervous but because my voice is it shouldn't be the loudest like there's a lot of stories that need to be told right now that are way more important than mine but she said and especially black stories like from the mouths of the struggle and from the experiences so yeah but yeah no she she had a great lineup and she just said said she loved my voice because it's different but it's still still relevant um and then yeah it was just i 
I think it's so different than getting up and singing a song. It's so different, which can be nervous too, but it's, it's, uh, it's a responsibility that you bear when you decide you want to speak your mind on something that is this um, critical and this important that you get it right. And you say how you truly feel, you say it in a way that connects and you do it from the right way. Because at the end of the day, like I said, I'm an ally, like, I'm not black. So my, and who, who am I speaking to? Like, it's all, it's all of that. I, I really needed to understand that before I got up there. So yeah, it was hella nervous, man. <laughs> I bet, bro. I bet. Hey, I, I would have been nervous too, but you did a great job. You killed it. Like I said, you know, it was, it was very inspiring and, and great to hear. Um, but let's talk about, let's talk about some of the challenges that you face personally growing mm-hmm. up. Um, because it's not something I ever really thought about until you brought it up, you know, your, your fair skin tone. So, you know, was it, did you have troubles, you know, fitting in with the black community, the white community? Um, What are some of the challenges that you faced growing up kind of being, you know, in between? Yeah. I mean, thanks for asking that, man. I, for me, it was always weird. So my brother, uh, my brother is my, he's my half, we're half brothers. So his dad is, full black our mom is uh caribbean she's from trinidad and my dad is white but my dad was never wasn't around and my brother pretty much raised me he's 11 years older than me so i was raised in a home with a trini girl with a trini mom and a black man raising me but i'm i'm this skin color with a jufro and you know it it was weird for me because like black culture has always been like what i consume like i i we had motown playing in my house we my brother played basketball he was like one of the greatest basketball players ever to come out of the city so we're a basketball family i went to school wearing a double xl kobe jersey with my giant jufro and listening to luther vandross on my discman but then i go to school and i grew up in martelou my mom wanted to raise me in a neighborhood that i didn't need to struggle so like I don't talk about this much, but we rented a house for 23 years. You know, we, we, we never owned because my mom wanted me to live in a, in the right neighborhood. So we grew up in Martelloup. So I was safe and I didn't, I, I could have the privileges that I do. And like, I, I love her so much for that. And I can never repay her for that, you know, because my brother had it super hard when he was younger. The money struggle was real. The single mom struggle was real. Being a young black boy in Calgary was, was tough. And she didn't want any of that stuff for me. So that being said, most of my social circle was white. Like all my friends were white just based on who was around me. And so I, I have what I learned at home and like how I felt and how my brother and his friends talked. You hear Wagwan all the time. And then I go to school and be like, yo, Wagwan. And they're like, what are you even saying, dude? And, and then I got weird. I got like self-conscious about it. I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I guess I got to get used to this. Everybody plays hockey and everybody likes, it was weird in junior high. People liked like ACDC and like yeah. <laughs> classic rock. I was like, what, the, what is this? I, I, um, <laughs> you know? So it, it was, it was that part was, was interesting for me growing up. Um, and I mean, as I got older, you know, moved to Toronto, it's like whites are the minorities in, in downtown Toronto. Like it's a, it's, it's a mix and the culture is just, it's 
it's really made me want to dig deeper into my Trini roots and or into all of my roots and just learn more and uh, be more proud of what I come from and all that. Right. So that's what's up, man. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll talk about your move to Toronto a little later, but that, that's so interesting that you have, you know, different perspectives from different cultures and, you know, trying to take the black culture and, you know, integrate it into the white culture. That's uh, yeah, that's such an interesting story. Um, but I want to know, how do you feel about people in positions of power? Do you feel like they should, do you feel like it's mandatory that they should speak up on these Black Lives Matter issues? Or do you feel like, you know, people in just because they're in a position of power doesn't mean that they have to do something or say something about it? I'd love to get, uh, get your take on that. It's a great question. Um, it depends on the person, I think, because to say that everybody has to have the same reaction or, or make the same move, I don't think that that's fair because um, a difference between my brother and I, for example, is like his resources in the city are like his relationships are deep. So he's leveraged his relationships and he just had a meeting with the uh, executive chief of police yesterday to share some perspective as a black man and and uh as a basketball coach to thousands of kids in the city especially kids in the northeast kids that go through it of all colors he wanted to share some perspective and it was a dope talk and now it's led to more conversations so he doesn't if he didn't post once about it who cares he's out there making his impact he's making his impact every day and, but what i think is especially for everybody else, for the allies, for everybody who does not walk in those same shoes. It's our job to, again, what, like I said in my speech, reflect on our experience with racism, um, reflect on who we were in those moments and how we want to be better and how the people around us need to be held accountable for it. Because once you reflect on your experience, then you know you're going to feel something. You're going to feel motivated to perhaps make an impact in that way and but then to take it a step further because you asked about people in positions of power people in positions of power again it all depends on the person but let's take somebody like brett wilson for example um he's he's one of those guys that growing up in the city you know i went to business school and i looked up to a lot of people including him and he's like that loud. He wants to be the loudest guy in the room. He wants to voice, have his voice heard on every topic and go flagrant on Twitter and often enjoyed it, you know. And then when this, when everything has happened and transpired over the last week or so, I looked at his Twitter to, in hopes that a white man in that position would say something, would say the right thing to his community and to the people who listen to him because I think that's his responsibility. He decided to be the guy with the loudest voice, have the loudest voice now. Speak to the people who are oblivious to racism, who think it's not a big deal in the city and who are, and to, who are blatantly racist because they listen to, to him. He has a voice. This guy decides to say instead, he decides to say um, that Mayor Nenshi won the election because he played the Northeast race card. <laughs> and then 
in the same day he decides, which he's, re, he's, he's apologized for, but. Okay, <laughs> good. And then, and then in the same day he tweeted, rioting is bad, peaceful protesting is good, but let's, let's, let's talk about the tangible ways to make the world a better place with a picture that reads, pick up a piece of trash when you see it, hold the door open for somebody, tip your waiter, let someone into your lane in traffic. He's, he's completely missing the point, man. Like, I, I was genuinely shocked. And to that, as an example, I, I just typed up a letter that I'm going to send his way because I've known him. I've seen him, been around him for a long time. And I, I'm, I'm personally cheesed. Like, I personally find it unacceptable. Um, and I don't think it's too late. I think that a guy like that can still have impact. This, like everybody is saying. This battle does not end this week, this month, this year. It's, it's, it's steady. But someone like him could make a world of difference to young entrepreneurs, young professionals that are black and minority in this city. He can make a huge impact to everybody. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my, my take on that, um, especially for, for black people, I do think – while I don't think it's mandatory, I do think it's very, very important to speak up um, and to let your voice be heard because the way I see it is like, there's a golden opportunity for us. We literally, I don't think there's ever been a time in our lives where like the whole world is listening to minorities and black people and they want to be educated on what it's like to be a black person and racism. And I don't know how long this um, this period is going to last for, you know, where we do have their attention. People are literally not posting on social media to uh, to donate their time towards Black Lives Matter. So, you know, while I don't think it's mandatory, I think it's it's very very important and very very crucial for people with voices to to say something. Try to educate people, you know, like. There's a lot of people in the black community that uh, that complain about white people and you know how they don't think racism is real or you know whatever they want to complain about. So I'm like, now is your opportunity to educate them. You know, mm -hmm. educate all races, right? But um, yeah, that, that's just my take. Um, I, I'd love to to hear your opinion on uh, on the rioting and looting because there, there's kind of two camps, right? There's some that say people protests haven't worked in the past and, you know, we need to take more aggressive action and that's the only way change is going to come. But there's other people that say that, you know, the rioting and looting is only hurting other businesses and there's no real impact that it's having. Um, did you have any perspective on that? I do. Um, I think that protests speak volumes they 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 do like historically they have been a centerpiece for the public voice and i think that they're important i think that people getting out and for a movement especially the power of it you know seeing the videos in la seeing the videos in paris seeing the videos everywhere the next thing you know calgary it's 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 powerful and it, it reminds people that they're not alone and that their voice isn't the only one that's that's wants to be heard and needs to be heard. I think it's super important. I don't think personally, I don't think looting is the move. Uh, and I, I think that a lot of the looting, you know, 
it's pretty easy to see that the people that the people looting aren't necessarily all uh, victims of racism. I think it's people trying to take advantage of a situation and anarchists and all that garbage. Like it's a pretty obvious thing. I don't see how that helps destroying businesses locally and everything. If you're mad, I look when the Vancouver Canucks won the cup, they rioted pretty damn hard. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah. it seldom does good, but so I guess the word rioting has a, an asterisk next to it. But I, with that being said, people are mad and they're not mad about nothing. They're mad about police. Yeah. Like they're mad about a, absolutely shattered system so what are you what are you supposed to go out there and and like hold hands and sing kumbaya and hope it gets better that's not how it moves either so if you're mad you got to be mad but it's a a lot of a lot of built-up emotion and frustration because you know george floyd obviously wasn't the first person to be you know yeah yeah to be to be treated like that by police right so uh, i feel like a lot of people they don't know how to release it and you know it's it's the only way that they can think of they just want their voices to be heard so not that i'm in support of it of the writing and looting but i i do understand and empathize with them um just uh, even for myself there's just been a lot of built up frustration and emotions and i've had to work on learning how to channel that into something positive, something constructive, something that will help others. Um, but yeah, I, I do definitely sympathize and empathize with all our brothers and sisters down in the States. Um, yeah. But uh, let's let's change the tone a little bit. Let's talk about your music career. That's popping okay. up. You know, you're, you're a rising star in the music industry. Love your music. Um, glad you're from, uh, from Calgary. You're repping us. Um, let's go. So, so how did you get into music originally? Oh, shoot. Um, I got into music supernaturally, man. I, I've just, I always loved it. I sang around the house. My dad had a, a marginally successful music career. It's, uh, but, you know, singing is in my, my blood. But honestly, it was nurtured when my mom was sending me to voice lessons just because I liked it. And then... I got into bands and I got it. I tried, did Canadian Idol when I was 16 and that was encouraging. And then, you know, next thing you know, I'm writing songs. And when I finished university, I, you know, I got a degree in in business and finance and I just knew that my calling was, was elsewhere. Yeah. So, so was that tough for you? Because you, you worked as an investment banker, correct? Yeah. Yeah. I worked in, in private, private, uh, wealth. Okay. So yeah. how, how was that? Like working in that industry, did you just like always felt some sort of calling towards music? Like, was it tough for you to, to sit there and work through that while your mind was elsewhere? Definitely. I mean, I definitely had a passion for finance as well. I, I mean, I kind of, I was taught to go to school to add to your tool belt um, so that you can apply that, those lessons and, and, um, all of those skills to whatever you want to do with your life. Um, that's the way I've always looked at it. So I never kn- knew if I was going to be an eye banker. Um, there was a point where I was like, I want to go and make some money. I want to make some damn money with, with my life for sure. But um, when I was working in, uh, in finance, I worked for amazing people. I learned how, how impactful you can uh, how much of an impact you can make when obviously you're making money. The guys that I work for 
ran a foundation called the Big Give Project. So they supported uh, underprivileged student athletes in Calgary from marginalized communities. And that was sick. Like we raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to put kids into sports. Um, And it was, it was amazing. So I I wasn't stuck at like a, a super boring desk finance job, you know, twiddling my thumbs thinking about music. But while I was in, uh, while I was in it, I def- I had bands on the side. I was I was writing music on the side. I started my fifty day idea. Um, yeah, yeah, let's let's talk about that because that's really interesting. Yeah. I read about that your your fifty days of summer campaign. Where yeah. did where did the idea come from, dude? I you know what a friend of mine was just like I I was challenged when I finished school, business school because I was like how do I pursue music I you know and business at the same time. Um, and he was like, I don't know, do a hundred days of shows. I was like, what? I don't, I don't even play an instrument, bro. How am I going to do that? But I t- turned it into 50 and did like, you know, social media pop-ups. I did pop-up shows, did lots of collabs and videos and stuff like that. And I got, I got community support for it. I got like free beer for the summer and, and a radio station sponsored it. So that made me want to turn it into a festival the next year. And that was the uh, biggest headache of my life for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. yeah. But the old 50 day music festival. Did it, though. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It was, it was a uh, experience of a lifetime. That's for sure. Big learning, like a ton of learning lessons that you can't trade for anything. Right. Yeah. That's wild. So with your 50 days of summer campaign, were all your shows in Calgary or you traveled to different places? No, for at the time it was just in Calgary, and um, yeah, it was like a different try, trying to put on the community. So like it was a different Calgary artist in a different Calgary venue every day for yeah fifty. Wow, so it was that's very was a lot. Man. That's yeah, that is a lot. Fifty days straight. That's uh, that's intense. That's intense. Yeah, it's too much, bro. Too much. <laughs> Okay, cool, cool. Um, so let's talk about um, your move to Toronto. So you, you decided to move to Toronto. Um, what was, what was the, the deciding factor behind that? Because I know a, a lot of people, even outside of the music industry, from Calgary, they end up in Toronto. I don't yeah. know if, if it's the same all over Canada, but I've seen a pattern in Calgary specifically. So, so why is that? Do you feel like it's just not possible to be a successful artist in Calgary? Mm, I don't know if I would say that because, you know, the internet's wild right now. Anything can happen, but uh, it's the difference to me between Toronto and Calgary is history. Like Toronto has generations of artists, especially in soul, R and B, hip hop, uh, pop, you know, in my genres and culture that have done it and had success for for yeah, years and it and you can kind of you grow up in in the culture you grow up in the scene you learn from those artists every you talk about what those artists do that's a part of the come up and i think that when when you when you can see it it seems a lot more realistic and you kind of there's a pathway for you and i think one of the struggles for me coming from here making the music that i do was like there aren't very many artists who have come before me in my in my genre so it was really hard to collaborate, to write with people, to, um, you know, grow, I think. I think that was the biggest thing. And I started traveling to write 
music uh, in 2017. And then in 2018, I was gone all for like five months. I was on road. Like I would leave Calgary every Sunday and fly to Toronto, Montreal, LA, London, Nashville, uh, Vancouver. Um, one of those cities for the week. I would write three times a day, all co-writing, just trying to get my chops up, meeting producers, trying to build relationships outside of the city. And then I'd come home on Friday, bartend Friday, Saturday, make my money for the week and then go out and do it again. Oh. And that was, that was from doing that, it opened my eyes to how much is out there, how much industry is out there, how many um, incredible producers and writers are out there doing amazing things. And by being in those at, in that atmosphere, it allows you to grow so much. And I, I don't know if it was just maybe the, where I grew up in the city. Cause there are, you know, there are artists from here doing their thing right now. Uh, but I, I just wasn't in that scene here. So I needed to get it elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that makes, yeah. you know, just being immersed in that culture, having big artists, you know, like Drake, Tory Lanez, sincerely Toby, whoever it is, you know, they, they paved the way. And I feel like there's just a, a lot more resources um, and those kind of people are just like a lot more accessible out there. Do you, do you miss Calgary a lot when, when you're out in Toronto or is Toronto like your new home now? Oh man. I mean, Calgary's Calgary's always home. Like the, the feeling of home is here. My, my family's here. My, my, like my memories are all here. So I think this will always be home to me, but I, Toronto's growing on me for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. Toronto, Toronto is a, vibe <laughs> i i feel you man i feel you toronto it's a different beast different beast different beast I'm, I'm really happy and lucky to be there right now and who knows where this thing will take me next because you know probably be a nomad for a while <laughs> that's what's up man nothing yeah. wrong with that um so so who are some of your musical inspirations growing up Oh, shoot. Well, it was definitely soul to start. It was Marvin Gaye, Luther Vandross, Michael Jackson, um, Stevie Wonder, uh, Earth, Wind & Fire, Cool and the Gang, Raphael Sadiq. Like, I, I loved soul music first and foremost, and then got into hip-hop and, um, and pop music. And my probably my biggest influences are, yeah, Raphael Sadiq, Justin Timberlake, James Brown, Marvin Gaye. Amy Winehouse, um, uh, Anderson Pack was a huge like for the last five years. Him and Mac Miller have been like huge, huge influences. Um, yeah, you know when they when, every time I ask, I get asked this. It's like I know half of them just leave my brain, <laughs> and then as soon as it's done, I'm like, no, I forgot John Legend. Like John Legend's hu a huge one for me. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. We'll, we'll say yeah next podcast and you'll come yeah, up exactly <laughs> cool cool um do you have any rituals before you perform anything quirky you do any uh superstitions <laughs> some, some people um, like to have uh, a, a quarter pounder before basketball games but uh yeah <laughs> you know, like what you like to do <laughs> that was that was like the shack program actually my roommate used to used to like it'd be mcdonald's every game day um <laughs> no i i honestly i actually just call my mom <laughs> yeah I, I talk to my mom before every show and just like uh, try to share, share those experiences with her I think that's like the toughest part about not being home is I miss super tight with my mom 
So I, I like to, I like for her to be in it with me, you know? Yeah. Does, so, does that just like calm your nerves and, and settle you down a little bit, get you comfortable? Yeah. It's just, there's something nice about, um, I want I want to share those moments with her cause she's done so much for me and I would not be able to do this if I wasn't so lucky to have her. Right. So I want, I want her to be a part of the moments and all that. Um, so yeah, that, and I do these ridiculous vocal warmups. So if any, if anybody hears them, they're like, yo, are you, are, are you good, man? Are you scream crying in, in the corner right now? <laughs> That's a joke. So, so do you, do you just wait till nobody's around and then you do your vocal warmups or? Yeah. You got to find the stairwell. <laughs> you got to find the empty stairwell. That's always the play. Nice. Well, what, whatever works, man. Clearly it's working, you know, exactly. so, you know <laughs> just make sure there's no cameras around when you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> dope. Dope. So, um, so what do you got, uh, what do you got cooking for 2020? You got, uh, you got anything in the works? Yes. Yes. Yes, man. I do. I've been grinding, uh, since November I've been, I've had my head down writing. I'm like a good 80, 85 songs deep now. Yeah. Like, tons of work and um i just really found my sound man like i put out dream state my ep in october and that was the product of years of writing that was my first project it was just like here's a bit of what like my influences here's a bit of everything that i do super proud of that but now i know like I know what i do yeah i know how i do it and why i do it and so the process has just gotten a lot deeper for me and i think the music's just on a whole nother level so I'm getting ready to start dropping it soon, man. I'm, dope, man. I'm, I'm super excited, but going through the motions, like being an independent artist isn't, isn't easy. Right. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That, that's uh that, that's definitely a difficult route and an admirable route. It seems like uh, more and more artists are actually going that, that direction, independent artists. Um, what, what was the deciding factor for you? Why did you want to go that route? Um, well, I mean, starting out, everybody has to hit that road. And when the right opportunities come up for a partner, then you weigh them out and consider if they're the right ones. And for me, I've always wanted to build enough steam that my business has leverage to enter the partnership in a way that I'm not going to get duped. Yeah. Um, I want to put myself in a position to be successful in the long run. I love the idea of being able to have creative control and ultimately, like, if I give that up, I want to be giving it up to a, a team that really rides for it and really gets the vision and can help get it there. Um, and I know that a lot of artists kind of miss out on that. And you take risks when you enter a deal. Um, but yeah, so it's all about when the right one comes. But yeah. for, for now, I'm just, I'm grateful that I have such a great team. My manager, my mixing engineer, um, like, PR, our whole team is, is really strong and, and I'm fired up for what we can do this year. That's great, man. Hey, I'm, I'm fired up too. I can't wait. Can't wait yeah. to get 80 tracks. That's it. Well, yo, and like Tory Lanez went off about it the other day. Like he owns his masters. Like owning, owning your work, your assets is, is super important. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think people have to like really sit down like Honestly, I've made spreadsheets on spreadsheets about about my business and, and trying to understand it as well as I can. So if somebody's going to give me a deal, I know exactly, or offer me a deal, I know exactly what it looks like, why it makes sense, 
why it doesn't, you know what I mean? I think yeah. everybody's got to do that work. If you're going to be, if you're going to be uh, putting yourself in that position. For sure. No, I agree with you a thousand percent. So important to, to educate yourself. Um, I'm not in the music industry, but I hear lots of stories about artists getting duped and getting swindled by these big record labels. And, you know, I, I hate to see that because, you know, these artists, they put their heart and soul into their craft and they should be fairly rewarded for what they do, you know. So I always find it like very admirable when I see independent artists grinding, doing their own thing. Um, just wondering, do you have any words of advice for any aspiring artists um, that maybe maybe are going through tough times or have some self-doubt or, or don't think they can make it or don't know the right next step to take? That's a great question. And always, I, I don't know which one piece I would give, but I'll tell you this, it's never going to go away. The, all of those feelings that you're having right now, those lows, those I'm not sure if I can do this or if, if I can make it or if I'm good enough or is this, is this sound good enough? Is this branding good enough? Is, is all of it. I don't think it's ever going to go away. You're going to, it's the biggest artists in the world are constantly reinventing themselves and asking themselves the same questions. So you got to be okay with that. And if you're not, then this might not be for you. And I don't mean that. Oh, my, sorry, my mom was calling me. <laughs> no worries. It's the second time today I've had a Zoom call and my mom calls me. That's my <laughs> other advice. Call your mom. No, um, <laughs> exactly. No, you got you to gotta build the support systems to get you through those times, though. Like, real talk. It's not as easy as, like, get over it or it's not for you. It's like you, you, need, you need foundations and support systems around you to get through those lows. But you got to ask yourself why you're doing it. And if your why is, is strong enough and you feel like this is your purpose and you got something to say and you're making the most genuine music that you can, um, then you know, what the you know what that feels like and you know how hard to defeat that is. And the longer you do this, I think the more that becomes your reality and you know that the lows are just the lows. Yeah. I'll get through those, but those aren't my reality. My reality is like, I'm made for this shit, yeah. you know? And, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I also reach out to people and ask questions. Like it's a very, it feels like a very lonely journey sometimes because it's you, your thoughts, your songs, your ideas. And it feels isolating, especially when you're early in the game and you don't have a team yet, but reach out to people and ask questions. Like I have been so lucky to have, mentors and like big brothers and sisters in this game that have taught me how to keep going and how to think and how to how to stay with it and they people want to teach you know what I mean and just as much as you want to learn so don't be afraid of that um because yeah it opens doors too it's like it's like the old ask a man ask a man uh what is it? Ask a man for a fish or ask a man how to fish and you fish for life, right? I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Close enough. Close enough. Cool, cool. So, yeah, um, yeah great words. Um, great advice. Really appreciate that. I'm sure that'll be impactful for a lot of artists out there. Um, even people that aren't artists, you know, whatever, whatever business you're in or whatever goal you're trying to achieve. That's great advice. Um, so as we both know, there, there's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot of negativity. 
um, a lot of anxiety between, you know, coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, um, just the everyday struggle, everyday grind, people not having enough money coming in. Um, so I always like to end things on a positive note. Uh, just wondering if you have any positive words you'd like to share with the city, with the nation, anybody in the world listening right now, just any words of, uh, of encouragement um, during these times. I know you, you've shared a lot already with, uh, at, at the Black Lives Matter protests, but uh, I'm sure you can spare a few more words. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think this would also be like the other piece of advice I could give to artists too, which is like, be, you have to be kind to yourself. Like you love yourself. Like we're, we're pretty incredible creatures. We've got all of these multiple facets to us and, and things that make us us. And um, that's what's so special. That's why something like the, the color of our skin should never restrict us from being able to let that shine. It's hard enough to shine sometimes for anybody. We're all going through it. And, you know, it starts with yourself. And, and um, I think when it's as challenging as it is right now, half of us are locked up in our houses in quarantine and half of us are feeling the suppression of everything that's going on right now. Just remind yourself how dope you are and and how special you are and, and work at that and write it down and keep it moving. I mean, that's, that's kind of what's gotten me, I think, through all of my, all of my lows is, like I said, the support system that I have and the constant, the constant, um, you got to be like your own biggest fan. And does that necessarily is that going to fix the world's problems? I don't know. But at the end of the day, we got to walk out our doors and, and do our thing and find a way to get through the day. And like, yeah, love yourself. For sure. That's, that's what's up, man. That's, that's great advice. And, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's such a blessing to even just be alive. You know, I, uh, my team, we recently wrote a blog article um, titled Three Reasons Why You Matter. And upon doing some research, the chances of someone actually, like a human being being born, are one in 400 trillion. Yeah. Right? So it's like, it's a mer people don't even realize how much of a miracle it is to even just be alive. You know, so anytime I'm, I'm stressed or, you know, I have a lot of anxiety, I always just try to take a step back and, you know, just take everything in like this. This is such a blessing, everything, the good and the bad. Just take it for what it is and, you know, try to make the most of it. But uh, 100, man. Yeah. And, and to like somehow maintain the focus of, of where you want to be. I think that, that that's got to be the driver that gets us through. You know, why, why are we in this game? What are we in it for? Yeah. You know, and, and it's crazy because it truly helps you identify what your next step is. Cause that's always like the, that's always where the anxiety really kicks in. It's like, well, that's what, what the anxiety can, can get in the way of, of knowing how to, how to move forward. And, and, and uh, like, for example, with, with myself going through all of this black lives matters um, and the, the madness of the last few weeks, I kind of had a, chance to reflect on how I want to truly help in the long run. 
Like, yes, I can share my words and use my voice, but what about my making an impact in, in the real world um, outside of my voice? And I thought about myself as a son of a single immigrant mother with no generational wealth to help us to get through with tons of sacrifice and struggle to get to this point. I want to help people like me, people like my brother. And so I'm, I'm working on exactly that right now. I want to find a way to support the youth going through that same struggle that we, a lot of us went through so that we all have a chance to, to swing the way we want to swing. You want to do music. You want to create a music festival. You want to create a media marketing company. Here's some help. And, and that's, that's, and like I said, that just comes from asking myself what's important to me. And yeah, so that's what's up. That's great, man. Um, it's been a pleasure. Again, thanks so much for the time. Um, I'm gonna have to catch up with you again, probably after you drop your next album. Uh, yes, that'd be so dope. For sure. Hi, right, bro. Take care of yourself. Okay, man, you too. Thank you for the time. Yeah.